So I want you to stay with your families for the first few minutes, but this is going to be an interactive approach and an interactive conversation before we get into the bulk of the sermon. So I want you guys to think, and I want you to actually be willing, if possible, to answer me. How do your parents take care of you? How do mommy and daddy um, show their love to you? What do you guys think? Cookies, okay. That's a really good way. Thank you, Megan. Say that what? They provide room and board until you're 20. Well, that's part of the cookies, the room and board, yeah. I like this interactive approach here. So, so Nathaniel, what do you think? How does mom and dad take care of you? They give you shelter and protect you. These are all really good answers. What else? Zoe, do you have any thoughts? They hug you. Absolutely. That's a great way to show love. Any other thoughts? Do you, do you remember how they took care of you or maybe your little baby brothers and sisters when they were really, really young? Really, really young. I'm glad you caught that, Sean. Any thoughts? Nathaniel. They do. Mom gives birth, and mom and hopefully dad change your diapers, because it's really not fun to have messy diapers. How would you do if mom and dad didn't love you and didn't take care of you? What would happen? Nathaniel? You'd be a train wreck, absolutely. You'd probably die. Mom and dad are incredible gifts to you. So God says in this passage that we're going to look at today, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So what does it look like to obey mom and dad? Thoughts? We've gotten very quiet. What do you guys think? What does it look like to obey mom and dad? Nathaniel? Excellent. If they tell you to do chores, you don't complain, but you do it right away. Why is that so hard? I see people thinking, but they're being very quiet. Chores are not fun. No. But I want you guys to think about what it looks like to obey, because the second part of that is to honor. And we're going to talk about that in the sermon today, because I think sometimes we don't really understand honor. But for those of you who are going to go to Sunday school, now is the time to go ahead and go. And we will talk more, and I'm sure your parents will have an opportunity to help you to hear some of what we talk about. So as the kids are leaving, let me open us in prayer. Almighty God, we come to you as our Father, because you have told us that we are your children and heirs of the kingdom.
And we recognize that as we think about what it looks like to relate to our earthly mothers and fathers, those truths also apply to us in our relationship with you as your children and you as our heavenly father. And so we pray this morning that you would open our eyes, that you would gentle our hearts, that you would give our minds clarity as we think about this commandment to obey and to honor. Lord, you have placed us in the, in the context of family and of relationships and of community. And as we go through this sermon series, looking at what it looks like to be in relationship and to live in community, we recognize that you are revealing to us truths about how we are to enjoy the reality and the blessings of the relationships that you have placed us within. Guide us. Strengthen us and use us for kingdom good, we pray. In the name of Jesus, our brother and our savior, amen. So as, as we look at the passage today, um, it's Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. I just read it. It's brief. I'm going to read it again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And I want to deal with the fact that there are actually two particular commands that are given. Paul gives one, and then he quotes the, the fifth commandment given to Moses at Sinai. One, the one that Paul gives us, talks about obey. But the command that's in the, the Ten Commandments is to honor. Um, it's easier to measure obedience than it is to measure honor. But obedience is the fruit of honor. We're going to talk in a minute about the distinction between control and choice, but I want to look at Matthew 28. There's a parable that Jesus tells starting in verse 20, on Matthew 21, beginning in verse 28. Jesus is speaking, and he says, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of the father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you that the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of the righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. We're going to be interactive for just a moment. I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to, to talk with me because I want to ask a couple questions. Did any of the two sons honor the father? No. One obeyed, but neither honored. It, it's, 
It's important to obey, but it's more important to honor. As we think about the idea of children, and today what we're talking about is our relationship as children, and the, and the unique thing in the passage that Paul uses is that the term he uses for children doesn't have a reference to age. He's not speaking to immature children. He's speaking to all children. It's an issue of biological parentage without regard to age. And so we're going to have to deal in a moment with the idea of what does it mean for grown-ups to obey their parents. But that thought carries into the fifth commandment. Because to be honest, God, Moses, and Paul are all speaking to thinking and hearing individuals. They're not speaking to infants. They're not speaking to the people who would die without the care of their parents. They're not speaking to people who are young and immature and don't have an ability to reason, who have to obey because the parents are the ones who keep them safe. They're speaking to the children of the parents. But the reality is, as we think about growing up and maturing, there, there is a difficulty in how we, as children, relate to our parents. Because in our youth, parents have to exert almost total power. When you think of a newborn, the newborn can't care for themselves in any way, shape, or form except to scream and cry and say, I've got messy diapers or I'm hungry. That's the extent of their autonomy. They don't change their diapers. They don't move themselves. They don't feed themselves. If they're not cared for and experience the total power of adults to provide care, they die. And we get a picture in that of the incredible gift God gives to us with parents. But over time, that power that parents exercise over their children diminishes. I have eight children in my family, all of whom are grown. I, in my foolishness, might give them a command, but they're all independent adults who have an ability to live their relationship with Jesus independently. And in fact, if I try to exert control over my children, I diminish the responsibility and I disrespect them in their relationship with the Lord and their independent maturity. So my power diminishes as time goes by. But the need for honor the need for heart never changes. From the beginning, it is the responsibility of the parent to, in, to develop in their children a heart that is obedient and loving. But it is also always the child's responsibility and I don't mean child in terms of immaturity. I mean child in terms of biological relationship. It is always the child's responsibility to grow a heart 
that loves the Lord and loves their parents. Always, it doesn't change. Which is why I think Paul uses a term that doesn't reflect age or maturity. We are called today to honor, to love. And in fact, Jesus gives us an indication of this in his command in John 14. He's he's left the upper room and he's on his way to Gethsemane. And he says to the disciples, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. That's an incredibly important indicator to how this whole process works. Control diminishes. It is not a long-term, it is not a permanent, it is not the answer to the problems. You don't tell your kids what to do forever. And children should not look for that from their parents. But heart continues. Honor continues. It is the permanent attitude God calls us to experience. I think today, well, actually, I think forever, but I'm aware of it more and more today, um, we lose sight of what an incredible gift our parents are. When we begin to focus on that idea of obey, and we think about control, and we think about micromanagement, domination, oppression, whatever we may want to try and categorize it. I talked a while back about the the fact that we understand pain much more clearly than we understand pleasure. If I have a rock in my shoe, I miss the glory of the outdoors as I'm walking in nature. If, if I have a tummy ache, I, I don't enjoy at all the feast that's set before me. Those gifts are still there. Those blessings are present, but we focus on the negative. I want us to take a moment and just think about your parents. How did God use them in your life? If it were not for them, you would not have had food and would have starved to death. If it were not for them, you would not have had clothing, and you would have frozen. If it were not for them, you would not have a place to live. You would not have had clean diapers. You would not have had guidance. You would have not been discipled. Our parents are an incredible gift that God has given to us. And in fact, they are a metaphor for his love of us. We just prayed a prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, we are children of God Most High. And in some ways, the relationship that God has given with us, to us, with our biological families, is a picture of that relationship that He's given to us with Himself. If we think about honoring our parents, how does that 
reflect in our lives? How does that change our relationship? How does that change us? We live in a culture where autonomy, independence, self-freedom, um, choice, latitude of opportunities and blessings is paramount. We think of the quality of our life, in many cases, largely dependent upon the opportunities, the choices, and the freedoms that we have. It's not a biblical concept. There is an incredible blessing that God has given to you in family. And honestly, you wouldn't be here today if it weren't for your parents, for your mother and your father. And so I want you to be thinking about, in spite of the failures, in spite of the limitations, in spite of the ways they may have harmed you, and I don't want to diminish that in any, in any way. But your parents are still a blessing. And recognizing that blessing and expressing honor to them grows you. One of the things that I want to think about with you is the difference between raising adults and raising children. EC is going to have another sermon coming up about parents to children, and that will fit with this concept as well. But I, I don't do you a good service if I don't bring this up as we look at being children. We are called to be independent, mature, responsible, God-honoring adults. We participate in that process. Again, we talked about control diminishing over time, but honor consistently expressed throughout the history of our lives. For us, we grow in maturity, we become independent, and parents do the best job possible if they raise adults and not kids. But we're called to be adults. And even as adults, we're called to honor our parents. Um, an adult is mature. An adult is ready. An adult is prepared to face the realities of life. Sometimes it becomes a battle as we're growing and as we begin to think about what we're capable of doing and what we're now still being limited and hindered by our parents in doing. But there's a cooperative venture. Early on, parents have power. We've talked about that. The goal is that at maturity, the parents recognize the power children have, that they honor the children even as the children honor the parents. But I want us to be thinking about we deepen, strengthen, and build maturity as we participate in that process of transformation. So I want to talk about the idea of honor. I've had people talk to me, even as I prepared for this message, what does it mean to honor your parents? I've got people that I work with who have been scarred. There are traditions today here 
where the idea of honor means mom and dad can't do wrong. But mom and dad, if they give a command, if they give advice, if they give guidance, because they're mom or dad, what they're saying is right. This passage says, obey your parents in the Lord. One of the realities is every person in this room and every person who's living and breathing today is a sinner. Every person alive needs to grow, needs to become more Christ-like. So the simple truth is mom and dad are not right because they're mom and dad. Their position doesn't convey righteousness. Kids, children, young and old children, your position as children doesn't convey rightness. So when there's a battle of the wills, one of the things that's important is to understand how do we resolve that in a way that is honoring. But if we want to look at the issue of honor, we want to look at the concept of respect. So what does it look like to respect your parents? There's this concept of obey. But obedience is first and foremost to the Lord. And there will be times when for you to respect another person, especially a person in authority over you, you have to say no. You have to ask questions. How you do that is respectful or disrespectful. And and I'm going to argue that to say yes without question is to disrespect. To say yes blindly is to disrespect. One of the great passages in the New Testament that shows Jesus respecting two people is Luke 7. It's the story of Simon who hosts Jesus in his home. He's a Pharisee and the woman who washes Jesus' feet. I'm sure you're familiar with it. I've even preached on it. But the point of the story is this. Simon has brought Jesus into his home ostensibly for a feast But reality, in order to honor Simon. And we see that because Simon doesn't give Jesus water to wash his feet. Simon doesn't give Jesus a kiss of greeting. And Simon doesn't give Jesus oil to anoint his head. Jesus is there to benefit Simon. Jesus gets the dinner, but Jesus brings honor to Simon by accepting his hospitality. The difficulty is Jesus is Jesus. And you can't box him in. So Jesus is there. A woman in the village recognizes that Jesus has come, and she barges into Simon's home. Uninvited. Unwelcome. Except by Jesus. Who allows this sinful woman 
to wash his feet. Simon's thinking, oh my goodness, this is horrible. He's shaming me. I can't kick this woman out because my guest of honor is welcoming her touch. Jesus being Jesus has a plan. And he responds to the things that Simon thinks in his head. Because he respects Simon. And he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. Now, I, I don't want to miss the fact that the way that Jesus speaks to Simon is respectful. It's honorable. He calls him by name. He recognizes his humanity. He recognizes his position. He treats him with dignity. Even as he corrects him. Simon says, say it, teacher. Simon's disrespectful to Jesus. Jesus isn't a person. Jesus isn't someone important. Jesus is man, prophet, teacher. He's an object. He's a tool to be used. Do you ever interact with your parents as a tool to be used? Can I have a party? Can I borrow the car? Can I bring some friends over? Can I have 20 bucks to go out? It's the same way that the prodigal responded to his dad, the object who gave him wealth. But back to Jesus and Simon. Jesus has been respecting this woman who is not respectable. He's allowed her to wet his feet with her tears. He has allowed her to dry his feet with her hair, which, by the way, is a shameful act. We, we don't understand that in our culture, but, but hair was as private as other anatomical parts. You don't show it to anybody but your husband. You don't let your hair down. And in fact, it was incredibly disrespectful and shameful. And Jesus welcomed her care. She kissed his feet. Simon says, this woman is a sinner. He's letting her touch him. In Hebraic thought, touch conveyed pollution of sin. Jesus is being brought to a state of sin because this sinful woman is touching him. In the same way that you never touched a dead body or you became ritually unclean. The pollution of sin is communicated by touch. But on top of that, she's a sinner. And she's draped all over his legs. Don't fail to see the choreography of what Luke is saying as he tells the story. It's shameful. But Jesus allows this shameful interaction in order to respect Simon. Because he's going to a deeper issue. Simon doesn't see his sin. And Jesus speaks with honor and respect and says, Simon, you're a sinner. 
And then he speaks with clarity as he forgives the woman's sin. And everybody at the table says, who is this that forgives sin? The only one who can forgive sin is God. And Jesus then again says, your sins are forgiven. He makes clear that he's not a prophet. He's God. He's Savior. He's come. And Simon, you have a choice. Repent. We have the opportunity, and in fact, we have the responsibility with one another, and particularly within the context of family, to respect, to honor, to correct. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. For this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. There is a Christ-like maturity that we attain as we understand the calling we have to love. As parents and as children, it goes both ways. But I want to call you whether you're in the position of authority or whether you're in the position of submission. You have a responsibility to respect. You have a responsibility, as Paul says in Ephesians 4.15, to speak the truth in love, to speak with honor and reverence and kindness and gentleness, but to speak the truth, believing that the other has the opportunity, has the power of the Spirit, and has the calling of God to grow. Children, you have the responsibility to reflect Christ. Remember the Garden of Gethsemane. Take this cup from me. The Son spoke to the Father and said, This is too much. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I'm coming to understand, as I conclude, I'm coming to understand that there's nothing that I both want to in my best days or have a right to refuse Jesus. When I see the Garden of Gethsemane and I recognize the love that Jesus has for me and the obedience he had to the Father, there's no question of his love for me. There's no question of the level of his sacrifice. Consequently, as I recognize that and I live in the power of the Spirit remembering that, there's nothing for me to withhold from Jesus. The difficult truth 
is that he's the one who says, obey your parents. He's the one that says, honor your father and your mother. Brothers and sisters, our calling is to say, yes, sir, and to obey. Let us pray. Father, we do come, and even this week, there are probably things you are calling us to that we as your sons and daughters don't want to do. There are acts of obedience that we would really rather avoid. And yet we recognize the truth that you have loved us with an undying, unending, unlimited love. And so as your children, as children of our human parents and of parents of our human children, we come to you and ask that you would work in us in these particular relationships, that you would give us the grace to recognize the power we have is not limited to the power that we have in ourselves. And I pray that we would love you, that we would honor you. There is no flaw in our Heavenly Father. And so honor is very equal to obedience as we respond to you. But Lord, we do ask that you would make us men and women Young men, young women, children who speak the truth in love and grow up in all aspects into Christ. We pray, Lord, that you would give us an ability to be redemptive and challenging and encouraging for one another, both as brothers and sisters in the Lord, but also as children and parents. And we pray, Lord, that we would know what it is to bring you honor in that obedience. In Jesus' name, amen.